0: content like three days worth. Ah, there's some days in the past we've doubled up and sometimes we're rolling for 90 minutes uh, thank you for the patience welcome to the podcast today if this just abruptly ends my guest was unable to come through supposed to record him later on in the afternoon but I'm looking forward to speaking with him um, I guess I don't know who he was until he got on my radar, but apparently he is um, an old morning show listener. And I love when, um, I mean, that was now over four years ago, maybe as long as like eight years ago, like catching up to seeing uh, how we may have influenced people back then with some of those weird things we did. So that guest on the way, but a couple of things to get to. Um, First, you know, I'm a big fan of our library. I greatly appreciate Jason Kuchma. Uh, coming on the podcast and sharing the great things that are going on with the library system. Um, and I still want to know who ransomware them. Who ransomwares a library? There's so little pertinent information. You want to find out that Esther's uh, Caldecott Mor- Memorial Book winner is like on loan from 92 and she's got tens of- Anyway, you get the point. I'm going to have Jason back on soon also. A uh, friend of mine, Lucas Stahl, is now on his staff. Jason getting all the good people under his ceiling uh, at the main branch and beyond. And, and So I'm a big fan of the library. And I've told you before, I enjoy using the Hoopla and library apps. i got to be honest with you. Just assume I'm always honest with you. I don't know. Up until me getting a library card two years ago at the, uh, it's the Heather Downs branch, right right near here. Right, right down the street from the Mexican restaurant. Um... On the way to Beverly. Small little branch. Love it a lot. Got my library card there. Buy my dog licenses there. Before then, I don't know when the last time I had a library card was. It might have been when I was in school. Like school, school. Like high school. What was the name of that branch? My dad, my dad used to take me to the library every week. If I didn't have a basketball game, he would say we're going to the library to get a book. And then sometimes if my basketball game was near that library, we went to the library before or after to get a book. My dad was always pounding into my head reading. And like any kid, I was like, I don't need to read. Um, I think it, I have a reading theory. The stuff... I and maybe you grew up reading in in school that we had to was not fun. I didn't like all those novels. Now you're reading novels that have been, it it was like, well, like YA fantasy. You were reading like Lord of the Rings and stuff. And I realized that stuff is now quite old, but not like Shakespearean old and Dickens. Um, So I I think uh, kids past my generation, in recent years, have gotten to read more fun things for literature and English than I got as a kid. Possible? Maybe? No? I still I suck at Shakespeare, and I suck at symbolism, which is why I did I needed those Cliff Notes or whatever they're called, Spark Notes now. Anyway, library stuff. I love reading. I've told you this before. I would rather read something than watch a video about it. That's why I don't live on YouTube. That's why I've been so averse to TikTok. If you said you can watch something about it, a topic or you can read an article. I'm reading the article cuz I can do it at my own pace. I can skim through it cuz it might not grab me or I can read slowly and reread and look stuff up. Um I use Hoopla, Hoopla and Libby. I think I've bought one book. And I usually buy books through Apple Books. I think I've bought one book in the last couple of years, maybe more than that. Recently bought uh, a book from A superheroologist, Travis Langley. He's a professor. He writes psychology books about superheroes and pop culture stuff. He's done Game of Thrones. He's done all the things that I like. Um, I read his Batman one. There's another edition coming out next month. I just finished his The Joker and Psychology. So I bought that book and, and blew through it recently. It wasn't on Hoopla or Libby, but I am surprised they often do have recent releases to borrow. Now, the only weird thing is um, there are only a limited amount of copies per a particular library system. So, for instance, if everybody goes on to their music streaming service of choice and wants to listen to the same song at the same time, you can. If you try to do that with these books, it doesn't work. Only like five people could borrow that book that I just mentioned. But... I find suggestions. I look for something else. Because again, it's all free. And like uh, some things don't change. You still get to borrow it for three weeks, 21 days. So the library put out an infographic. And I'm going to run through this. Um, We have all tried. We've had to do personal deflation. the hell is that? Costs have gone up. Mind you, uh, my therapist was kind of aghast today when I told her, yeah, when the calendar flipped... My copay went up 30% from $50 to $65. I have a low-ish, high-deductible plan, like $1,500, but I get drilled with the copays. We're We're all looking to save money. So, I don't expect you to do all of this, but with more streaming services now than ever, and less people, I think, more than ever having cable... Um, we churn in and out of some, I'm really pissed at Paramount right now. I only get it for, uh, Star Trek Discovery and the thing is on hiatus right now and I can't churn out of it with how, when the show comes back. So I'm stuck in there. Um, Amazon Prime, 120 bucks a year. Toledo Library, unlimited, unlimited fine free books, $0 per year. Audible, $180 per year. Um, audiobooks with Hoopla and Overlap, nothing. Apple Music, 100 a year. There is free music on Hoopla or Freegal. Uh, Netflix is 100 some dollars a year. You can watch movies through the library app. A couple more. The Wall Street Journal, $39 per year. Online access, zero. And there is one article a day, one headline a day. And I'm like, Shit, I don't have a Wall Street Journal membership. $0 per year and Rosetta Stone as well. So please take maximum advantage of your library card. While I was uh, reading today, I came across a a website that I frequently visit and it was an interview with James Carville. If you've watched any kind of TV news um, at any level over the last 20 years, the name might not ring a bell. But he's a pretty unforgettable person. I think he became most popular during the Clinton years. He is a um, now older bald man with a great bald head. Can't tell a, a shadow there or anything. Glasses and a thick Southern accent. Like I think he's Louisianan. and he had some really thoughtful quotes um, in this story that I that, that I read. He was against a lot of the, maybe. A, uh, a lot of the fiery opinions which gets me to the point of why I wanted to bring him up. First of all, um like I said, and this is his quote in the story, only 11% of the Democratic Party is progressive. This is not a political thing by the way. Um only 11% of the, of the Democratic Party is progressive. It's the smallest part of the party, but the problem is they make up 70% of the noise. Um, the interviewer says on Twitter Carville says yes but also in newsrooms and academia and all of our foundations all I can tell you is that this is what people hear and it's what's done and what what it's done is weaken our political uh, weaken our political immune system people believe this is what the party represents they want to defund the police they want open borders they want to empty the jails it's defining the party and I'm gonna go back to the quote it's only 11%, only 11% of the Democratic Party is progressive. It's the smallest part of the party, but the problem is they make up 70% of the noise. The noise has become a common buzzword, one that I'm um, not tired of hearing or using. And I've said this for years in a less eloquent way that Carville has. Um, the very loud fringe has been given way too much clout in recent times whether it's someone being rightly or wrongly canceled, Um, just because the sheer volume and the numbers within these apps, whether it's, and Facebook has millions of users, maybe a billion users, Twitter, not so much, and the other apps as well, where a lot of these movements start, or, you know, 30 people you see out on a corner protesting something, they're loud, they're passionate, they're boisterous, Uh, Maybe they go over the line for whatever their their cause is. Maybe I support it. Maybe I'm against it. But most, like, they have been given too much cachet, too much currency to change things. And I completely agree with Carville. I've always said as loud as things were in a certain four years before these last, this last two I just wanted to get back to the middle, where there was less yelling. Maybe things didn't get done as much, but when they did get done, people weren't violent. We weren't at each other's throats. Um, And I think this 11% has caused a problem, and it's applicable to everything. I'll use another example that couldn't be farther removed from politics. The Snyder Cut of Justice League. I don't like the movie. I don't like Zack Snyder's stuff. But I'm pretty sure what... Are you familiar with the what is the 2080 or the 8020 business principle? 80% of your business comes from 20% of the customers. Um, with the radio station, 80, 80% of our ratings come from a dedicated 20% of the audience. Whatever that principle is called, I'm sure it has a very thoughtful business name. I don't know it. I'm calling this the, the 11. Did he say 70? I'm calling this the 1170 rule or the Carvel rule of currency or loudness. I'm fairly sure only about 11% of the people who had any interest in Justice League um, were the rabid ones who demanded a Snyder Cut. And they were making they, they were the ones making 70% of the noise to make that thing happen. So... Next time you see or hear loud people proclaiming something, and maybe you're for it, but probably not for it so much that would get you out on a street corner bickering with neighbors or relatives or people you really like, consider that. Just 11% of the people are doing 70% of the noise. And the unfortunate thing is many places are caving to that that 11% that are making that seventy percent of the noise. For the other thirty percent, might be from more reasonable people, where we can find things in the middle to compromise on. What a novelty! Uh, a couple other quick things. So three years. I of all the things I theorize about, this is one I haven't I haven't unlocked yet. Um in twenty in in twenty nineteen, uh, white claw was everything. Um, I did not, I had a disdain for seltzer because my dad drank it every night when I was a kid. I would try it and I was like, ew, it's flavorless soda. So I never liked it. And then eventually I was like, okay, I can acquire it. It's alcohol. I'll acquire a taste for it. So that did well. White Claw, you know, White Claw craziness, White Claw wasted, all that stuff. Truly came along and did well. And then like the last summer or so, super quiet. Did Hold on, I have to fix something on the air. Did... I'm still fixing it. Did the pandemic kill the excitement and euphoria over White Claw? Seemingly. I mean, granted, we couldn't do as many social parties together, at least in 2020. But last year, we got back together. A lot of people vaccinated, doing more things. Um, other players jump in the market. They certainly did. More options in that pulled away from the popularity. I mean, last last year, like High Noon was seemingly as nuclear as uh, as White Claw truly were. Yeah? Well, you can add another one. And I'm looking for the answer. Why isn't White Claw as popular anymore? And maybe it's just Occam's Razor. There are, there are so many other choices. And maybe they're just as good or less expensive or both. Simply Lemonade. Uh, they're a brand underneath Coca-Cola. And they're hopping into the alcoholic market. Um, simply spiked lemonade. I think there's already a Mike's hard lemonade. So now there's simply spiked. Four flavors. Lemonade, strawberry lemonade, which sounds really good. Blueberry lemonade and watermelon lemonade. So, something else to add to what to look forward to, to drink, wherever you may be doing that in the spring and summer. I saw that there's something called the Enclave at Fallen Timbers that's been approved for zoning. Um, there are some things that you know of that I can't think of off the top of my head. A little esoteric, outside the box, not so popular, and I'm a big fan of those places. Again, I can't think of them right now. Fallen Timbers is definitely one of them. Um, it's a shame. A lot of stores have closed. Um, I don't think the vision for that place has worked out as people had hoped. It was here. Um, I don't know when it was built, but I knew that when I got here, it was there, and I liked it, and I, I was able to discern a difference between it and Levis Commons always a, not as busy as Levis Commons, but there was more in the Levis Commons area. I guess there was supposed to be more at Fallen Timbers, and unfortunately, over the years of as shopping malls have have eroded, um, a lot of empty storefronts. Unfortunately, I still like it. It's where I enjoy going to the movies. Uh, the P.F. Chang's is there. There's a Red Robin. There's some other sto- There's a chi- There's stores I can shop at. The enclave at Fallen Timbers appears to be some um, living that will be erected off of Black Road. So a couple of modifications outside of the shopping center. And I guess kind of like uh, the really nice apartments at Levis Commons, this will be something similar to that. I don't want to see it get too crowded there. But for that mall and shopping area to survive, if it will at all, I'm surprised in in a lot of ways it's made it this long. It does have some good anchor restaurants. Um, It could use a couple more things. Around there, and uh, more Whitmer news in the news last week. It was Katie Peters explaining the challenges of all the duties she encounters throughout her day, um, using her positivity to the max to get it all done. And uh, her viral TikTok today, um, Matt Eberflus. I hope I said that right. He is uh, he's an NFL head coach. I believe he just recently came from the Colts. He's now going to be the head coach of the Bears. He will be tasked with turning from Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields into a viable starting winning quarterback for the Bears, which they've actually never had that person in decades. They've had a couple good quarterbacks here and there, but no one who is like a franchise quarterback, as you'd call it. And uh, Matt graduated in, I, I had no idea. Usually head coaches. These days in the NFL, when they get hired, are like younger than me. He's 51. Uh, He graduated in 1988, Whitmer graduate, and then went on to play for Hall of Famer Gary Pinkle um, at UT. So, um, if there was another team you might be looking to have an eye on, there's one because they are coached by a Toledo guy. If this podcast abruptly ends, we did not get my guest. If we did, here's Colin Flanagan, and I have a lot of questions for him. Colin?
1: Yeah, can you hear me?
0: I can hear you. Can you hear me?
1: Perfect. Yes, I'm, I can hear you loud and clear.
0: You have a very serious, deep voice. This is not what I was expecting.
1: <laughs> well, I, I can't say that's a bad thing.
0: Um, no, no, not at all. I'm, I'm recording, so um, thanks for taking some time. Oh, of course. Um, so, did I get this right? You're a former Morning Rush listener.
1: Yes, I was a big fan um, when I was in high school. Um, I was a huge fan of The Morning Rush.
0: You, even at that age, were not old enough to be listening to some of the content on that show.
1: <laughs> well, take it for, I mean, after, after um, you know, you guys went off the air, I, I had to find something else to listen to, so I started listening to Ricky Smiley. Okay. So,
0: Although, I could give you a hard <laughs> time for not for not listening to a, a local station as someone here who wants to run for people in our community. That's
1: uh, that's fair.
0: Ding! <laughs> um, so, how old are you now?
1: I, uh, I just turned 22.
0: Okay. Um, well, tell me, because I don't know much, tell me a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah. So, uh, I'm Colin Flanagan. I was born in the Toledo Hospital, um, you know, right before uh, the year 2000. And so, uh, I'm a lifelong Oregon resident. I went to Oregon Public Schools... I was 14 then I went over to St. Francis Um, after I was done there went to Ohio State got um, both my degrees over there and in three years political science and economics Um, did some work on some campaigns um, trying to further like the progressive cause worked a little bit in the state house and then right before I came back for law school at Toledo um, I was a research assistant for the University of Chicago, studying the way that the state house kind of functions.
0: Have you always, since you were younger and listening to the filthy blue humor that we were doing, um, <laughs> had an interest in, in politics Is going into poli-sci at, at Ohio State? It sounds like you, you knew what you wanted to do. Um, and many people your age, many people my age don't know what they want to do.
1: Yeah, I, I always had an idea that I kind of wanted to work in this side of the the law Um, i always wanted to do good things for people Um, and so when my intersection of like social studies when i was you know like a kid i always wanted to to, you know my favorite class was always like social studies so this seemed like a logical progression at the time and uh, i I jumped right into it and it's it's worked out
0: um when was that moment when uh you Maybe even before you decided to run, but got out of Ohio State. You're back. What's your? Do you have a day job? I'm assuming you have a day job.
1: Yeah, I mean, in addition to being, um, you know, a law student, which to my to my professors, I will say, sure, it's a full time job. Um, (laughs) Part. (laughs) I work part time as a substitute teacher at St. Francis now.
0: I did see that. Well, um, from what I've read over the last couple of days in, in in some articles, apparently you are doing. Yeoman's work and God's work, because I hear some, some awful situations about subs, so thanks for doing what you're doing right now with all the teacher shortages.
1: Oh, I, I really enjoy it, and uh, if there's, there's anybody listening that's ever even considered it, definitely worth worth doing.
0: And you can't be that much older than some of those students.
1: No, no, not really.
0: <laughs> does that ever Does that ever cause a problem, or do you find actually a connection with that?
1: Uh, certainly, you know, I think I connect better with them than, you know, some of the older teachers, but... I don't think it's a huge problem when I get, like, freshmen. um, They don't bring it up as much, but the seniors like to to poke and prod a little bit.
0: I I can imagine. I can imagine. Um, Well, thank you for doing that, and I'm glad that you're back here. So when was that moment, maybe before you decided that you wanted to run, and and I'll let you explain all that in just a second, Uh, the the technicalities out in the details. Um, When when, when did you have that, that aha moment and the light bulb went on and you're like, I think I want to like. I want to make this a career. Like, I want to do more for people. And I've gained enough knowledge that I think I can. When did the light go on?
1: This is going to be just a dramatically unsexy topic. <laughs> 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 this is this is a very inspiring question you've asked, and I'm going to respond in the most boring way. Um, I was working at the state house, and we were getting a lot of emails about the way that the state was investing. Retiree pension funds. Oh, you're right. Fuels. Super boring. <laughs> Super boring. And I thought to myself, wow, this is it. This is exactly like, well, think of it this way. The state was completely mismanaging these funds and trying to prop up like failing business ventures of its you know, corporate friends. And so that really inspired me at that moment to to know that I needed to make some kind of political difference if I wasn't sure of it already working at the state house.
0: I have known you for, let's see, less than eight minutes other than, you know, some brief exchanges here and there. Um, and I can already tell you are some, you you yourself believe this and maybe other, you are an old soul. You are different from your peers, aren't you?
1: I've never identified myself that way, but I've heard it probably since I was like four.
0: Okay. And I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm saying that as a compliment because I, I am much the same... I am much the same way. I'll tell you this: um, I was very averse to ever joining uh, the Morning Rush at that time because I had seen myself evolving past that. I was like, you know, music is on the is on the internet. Whether well, you need radio for that anymore, and you don't need to do the blue. I don't. I wanted to move away from the blue humor and not necessarily mm-hmm. be super serious, but to have these kinds of discussions. So I had to adjust a little bit of myself and fit myself in, and thankfully they were they were welcoming. So. I uh, I know what it's like to be a different kind of egg, and I appreciate you um, for having the interest that you've already um, articulated. Was that was that retirement pensions of older people again?
1: Yeah, that was um, you know the the Oprah system, the Ohio Public Employees Retirement System. Um, you know there was a pause on cost of living increases and all sorts of mismanagement going on.
0: Um, and I'm going to guess you're the only one of your age who has any interest in that. Maybe, uh, like within three decades of your age, of having interest in it. So I commend you for that. So let me get to go this direction with this. Um, how about you? Know, you know Dan Ortiz probably more than a little bit, right?
1: I yeah, I've, I've met Dan pretty okay. well at this point.
0: Um, Dan is getting supercharged up these days, so um, he wanted to rally people like himself, and I totally get that. That's been a thing for. For generations, when I was growing up, it was MTV, rock the vote, and Bill Clinton in sunglasses. It's it's always a challenge. Um, I'm guessing you want to jump head into the swamp, and I, I'm sorry to use that metaphor, but I'm I'm gathering that you just want to dive right into the deep end of the pool. Would I would I be in, incorrect with that, or or right on point?
1: No, I think you're right on point, and I'll I'll back you on it because. It needs to be done. There's got to be somebody who comes into it, especially, I think, from Toledo or Akron or Dayton or all three of us, because these are cities that have been in decline while, uh, you know, places like Columbus and Cincinnati have prospered.
0: Um, Well, I, again, applaud your effort for... Jumping into that swampy land, um, what makes you? I'm sure you've been asked this a million times, but I'll ask you. And I I haven't seen or heard your answer. What makes you think you're qualified um, to play in that playground, where I know it's unfortunately filled with lots of seedy players with uh, with agendas, and even the people that we probably look up to and like. That I I think you're a a Marcy Capter fan. They're probably there. There are people who who we would say are the good people, and even at times they have to set their, they have to put their moral compass in their pocket to get things done. What makes you think you're qualified to jump in that pool with these people?
1: I think anybody's qualified to jump in the pool with these people. You know, there's a reason they set up uh, the guidelines to be just, you have to be 18 and a resident of the state for, a, sure. what is it, a year or something. But So for that reason I'm qualified, but I also do have the political... Um, knowledge and 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 know how at this point to be able to do that with the work that I've done in Columbus.
0: It it sounds like working in the state house and then uh, going through Ohio State, so a, a different background than what Dan has, which is fervor and passion to change things, you know, on a on a street level. So mm-hmm. I'm glad you uh, you articulated that. What is it exactly you are running for, and who are you running against?
1: So. It's going to be a tough question to answer, but I'm running for state rep. I'm running for state representative. Okay. Um, I live in Oregon, so no matter what happens, if there's anybody in Oregon that's listening, I will be running and I will be on your ballot when we go to the primary election. Okay. That job is in Columbus. It's, um, you know, the office that I'm running for is currently being held by two representatives. Uh, just because of the way that the maps have been drawn, it's Lisa Sobecki and Mike Sheehy. Neither one of them are running again, so I'm not running against either one of them. Um, Right now, the maps that the Republicans in the state legislature have drawn are being contested in court. So I couldn't actually tell you the district number that I'm going to be running for. I couldn't tell you if you live in Maumee, if you're going (laughs) to be voting for me or not. But that's just the way it goes sometimes.
0: It looks like, the is it it Charlie Day from Always Sunny in Philadelphia with the junk on the wall?
1: yeah with the uh, the Pepe Sylvia episode
0: yeah I''ve, I've been <laughs> I've been trying to follow the redistricting and I know it's an important thing because some people lose voting rights and it's home field advantage and it's a little bit over my head or at least of my interest and I think you're even avoiding wanting to get too deeply into it because it will confuse the average voter I think. Um, do, so when do we look for you? is our primary ballot to look up to sometime in the springtime or does this jump ahead to November?
1: So this will, this is there will be a primary election in this race. Whether or not I'll have an opponent, still kind of <laughs> undecided. Um, you know, the filing deadline's not for even a couple days. So,
0: the fearsome force that you are at the ripe twenty-something age, running unopposed all the way through I know, November.
1: I know that would that would be fantastic. Um, and maybe you know the Republicans won't even put somebody up. I'm sure that they wouldn't miss this opportunity to run against a young person, though.
0: Um. As opposed to uh, retirement funds, what are some of the the core tenets that um, you believe in? Things that you'd you'd like to get done. Uh, I think of my friend Nick Comives, and when Nick hopped on a city council, somehow he got sucked into all the water stuff. And he can ta- he can be so excited about it. I'm like, dude, it's so boring. But thank you for doing it. Um, and it's become a cause for him. And obviously. Um, Equality across the board. Um, what are the things that are, I, I, if you follow me a little bit or, or ever? I, to me, it's it's animals, um, mental health, and and diversity in a lot of ways. But mental health is obviously at the top of my uh, of my list. What what passion yeah. points are at the top of your list?
1: For me, my pa- my three big things: economic development, um, labor rights, and infrastructure. And I think it really gets to the heart of three things that we've been lacking or things that have been under attack um, in in Toledo for a couple decades now. Um,
0: I've had this thought and I've really um, hoped that somebody much, much smarter than me, like like a Derek Thompson type, if you know who he is, would give me 5,000 words on what I've been calling the largest, most uncoordinated, disorganized, organized labor strike in the history of America. Mm-hmm. Um, with the way people are saying no to jobs anymore, no to rude customers. No, I'm not coming back because I can't afford childcare. And it's, again, not coordinated, but there is a large mass that's happening. Um, I I don't know if unions will ever be um, as powerful as they once were here. Um, how can this thing move forward as you talk about uh, labor? And I think well, I'll throw workers' rights in there. How, how is there a viable path forward? So I saw your video... the working man, working woman, person, how can that person earn more, especially in this fever pitch where they've had more leverage than ever before?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, you're seeing it now in sort of this unorganized strike kind of thing. You know, people are calling it the great resignation. Yeah. And I think it's mostly because people are tired of being poor. You know, we see these corporations that posted record profits in 2020 during the pandemic. And there's right reasons for that. Amazon, um, being one of them and then part of that is because they deliver and that's what benefited the most in 2020 but people are seeing corporations post record profits while the rest of us are all kind of struggling to get by and I think people are getting tired of that to the point where you know they're resigning from their jobs because they don't think that the wages they're being paid are fair and so is unionizing one way forward in that I think that's true you're seeing it now with a lot of the Starbucks are unionizing. There's the one in Cleveland. It's happening all over the country. I think Amazon's going to be next. Can't there? Can't there? Can't
0: Can't the money at the top? Because there is just so much of it. Can't they? They just break the unions? Because it would. They They are on feeble grounds. Because at least a hundred years or so ago, um, the pay gap wasn't so wide between employers and employees. Now it's it's massive. And I, I think some of these, it might've been a Starbucks one, it might've been somewhere else where it just takes a couple employees to pull away from this, this union effort and mm-hmm. you get them on the side of management because you give them a little bit more money and all of a sudden the cause falls by the wayside. How can we maybe power through that to get... I would love for the gap to close between the CEOs and the workers. And I'm not taking away from the fact that they make very important decisions, but the gap is one thing that's always struck me long before where we are right now.
1: Mm -hmm. It's too big. Yeah, absolutely. It's too big. Nobody should be making a hundred and you know, 36,000 times or 130, you know, whatever it is. It shouldn't even be a question of how big it is. Um, And so I think to answer your original question, um, the way that we need to go about doing that is, one, we need somebody like me who's going to go to Columbus, people who are going to go to Washington, D.C., as legislators and actually fight for better labor rights um, and better funding for things like the National Labor Relations Board, which can actually enforce laws that we have on the books um, that stop union-busting practices like this. And then I think there's other things, um, laws that we need to look into um, You know that, that would actually strengthen. Um, the work the working men's uh power in this kind of agreement
0: um you talked about um infrastructure and what was the first thing Gro- area
1: growth job growth yeah economic development uh, there generally. we go
0: i have a different perspective of that because i just got here in 2013 and the only arrow that i've seen in toledo in the region is it might not be always 90 degrees up but the arrow has been up you have a different mm-hmm. perspective of that i also what caught my ear in your uh in your video was you see that young people are leaving. I have a different perspective, and again, that's why I wanted to have this chat. Um, of all the places I've lived, Philadelphia, uh, Florida, Orlando, Florida, Detroit, uh, Saginaw, I was here another time, Allentown, Pennsylvania. Of all the places I've lived, this is one place where I've found that more young people actually stay. Like, And maybe it's because of the University of Toledo an incredible uh, medical and engineering program, and there are a lot of those jobs here. I've, I've seen a lot of young people stay, but you see otherwise and maybe that's because of the lack of jobs what's your perspective and flush out or suss out the economic development issues that you have
1: yeah so i'll put it this way when i went to ohio state i was in a seminar it was like a senior economics seminar and i'd been given this just extremely um you know boring project that i was supposed to undertake it was all of us, and the goal at the end was to give a presentation. Well, my topic was on how we should revive Ohio's economy. Luckily, I got luckily I got that one and, and not something else. But um, so I'm giving this presentation, and it's going horribly. Um, it's like 8 a.m. on a Friday or something, and I'm asking these these seniors in Ohio State how many of you are from Ohio. Um, you know, 80 percent. I said, raise your hand, you know, if you think you're going to stay here after you graduate, about 80% of those hands go down. And so now we've got like five people in the room who said they're going to stay. And I said, do you think it's because there's a lack of opportunity here for you compared to what you could make elsewhere, say, in New York or California or at this point, Texas or Florida? And I got most of the hands back, um, people that said they would stay if they thought that there were jobs here for them in Ohio. And so... I think we're losing some of our top talent, um, top homegrown talent, to places on the coasts. Not to say that some of it isn't staying, but I think that we could we could keep a lot more of it, especially in Toledo. Um, one of the things that I've heard from people when I go out into the community and, and talk to voters so far is that their kids have all left for Columbus. Their kids have left for, again, New York City. They've left for Boston just because they think that the jobs are out there. And so I, it... To some degree, I think there's truth to that. I was inspired to come back because I wanted to fight for the city.
0: Um, it, it's interesting. I'd like to to follow that string of, of those people and whether they went to those places and maybe they came back because somebody gave $90,000 out of college to start, and now you have a 500-square-foot room in Manhattan. And maybe that's mm-hmm. just not your lifestyle. Um, you do learn things once you, uh, you get out there and you see that maybe what you wanted isn't exactly what you want and where you are. Um, I think people do have a great amount of pride here and, and want to see um, this area, Northwest Ohio, Toledo, continue continue to grow. And i am um, been watching the development out in your area where I think the old Kmart location has some retail and residential development. Mm-hmm. And I think the city talked about um, creating some kind of like a mini, miniature entertainment district, which has to be done because um, as uh, Mommy's mayor said, we compete with Sylvania's downtown and mommy's downtown, but also Napoleon and Defiance and everywhere else. So yeah. um, I'm pleased, but it's not really up to me because you have a pulse on these people. Um, are there any pet projects in this area that strike you or you've seen elsewhere that you want to see implemented here?
1: Yeah. One huge thing, and I've said it to everybody, if I lose this election, my number one priority will be to help facilitate in any way that I possibly can the redevelopment of East Toledo and Main Street. Um, my, my grandpa owns, it's, it's a cash register business next to Frankie's, and so when I was a kid before the recession, um, I would go down there all the time and, and make boxes up, you know. That was my job when I was, was four or five. Um, and so when the recession hit, I remember noticing Boards up in windows in places that used to have people in them, and I, I think it's a real shame that that area hasn't come back. Um, and, and I think that that's something that we need to be focused on. Do
0: you have? Have you run into Alfonso Narvez? He ran. He's run for council a bunch.
1: I know who he is. I've never met him though.
0: Okay. He seems like a, a big East Toledo cheerleader. How about Danny Morin? Uh, he actually, you might have heard his music on the old morning show. That's C fifth. Oh okay um danny is a, a major advocate of the ironwood neighborhood um i never cracked east toledo jokes i swear to my grave on that um because <laughs> everywhere i've been i've down river jokes in detroit and all the stuff so i i would experience them before i would actually utter any jokes um i i think things seem to be trending in the right direction on the east side, you kind of have a couple of bookends between the Glass City River Wall and uh, what's coming with the, the Riverwalk. Are you leery about too much commercialization, too much gentrification um, to overlook what your vision is?
1: Yeah, the number one goal when you do any kind of this development, I mean, the number one goal is, you know, to develop. The second thing that you have to keep in mind is that you don't want to drive people out so that they they can't live there anymore yeah um and so that it has to be done in a way that's affordable um and i'm you know i'm sure that there are plenty of of government staffers who would have a better answer than this on me but it has to be a priority
0: yeah uh, i think happily um there's some people younger than me, so we'll call them millennials that- Whoa. Um, I think millennials ha- got real smart, whereas I was a little unwise where it was like, yes, let's put some swanky bars in there and some some lofts. And mm-hmm. then hands began to go up and go, we're kicking out poor people, poor people of all colors. Um, we want the development, but how do we marry this? And I'm interested to see how that happens uh, in the Vistula neighborhood, which is off to a pretty good start, but also in East Toledo.
1: Um, yeah, yeah. Wh- the Vistula Project. I like as soon as I saw that they were developing that. I was like, "Oh man, I, I really hope that that doesn't turn into something like, um, you know, like what the Franklinton development in, in Columbus has become, or anything like that." For
0: what it's worth, if you don't know the people, um, the people that I have gotten contact with over there, um, with Ark Restoration, Ambrea and her husband doing the Wonder Bread Factory, um, they were big advocates for um, fair housing. Um and they are wary of of just that in that neighborhood. Um and, and people like Will Lucas at Toll House and uh, mm-hmm. the guys at Toledo Spirits. So, um I don't know what's to come, but I think there are some pretty good people who are watching and building with responsibility in that area.
1: Good. It's, I mean, it's extremely important.
0: Yeah. Um, would you ever uh, work to get a Planet Fitness or a Target in Oregon? Um, that's a tongue-in-cheek question I know,
1: I know i know it is um you know <laughs> i think i think that if that's something that people wanted over here then then they would work to get it um I, d- certainly I, there's an olive garden on the way i've, I've heard that for a decade <laughs> so
0: i haven't heard that joke although i know when that culver's opened up the traffic on navarre it was like gridlock at the the busiest rush hour in the in, in chicago
1: Mm-hmm. pretty much pretty much and, um, and i've i've heard that uh you know there's a there's a chicken place that uh, could be on the way. You know, just heard that through the grapevine. But. What
0: chicken place?
1: Well, they just opened one, uh, or there's going to open one at the French Quarter. The raisin. Um, there's a. Are you telling me there's raisin canes coming to Oregon? That's. It's just been thrown around in the rumor mill. Mm. Uh, I won't. Uh, All right. I can't confirm that. I, I'm okay. not a. Okay. A official or anything, but.
0: Okay, that would be great. If, if we got two, that would be incredible. But yeah, I know there's a couple of missing. The Oregon has so much charm, in fact, like by keeping out some of those big places. But uh, I know that there are friends, there's always a discussion, you know, what do you want in this neighborhood and that neighborhood? And I have some friends who live over on that side of town, and like, we would really like to have a Target. I mean, Walmart's fine, Meyer's fine out and uh, off of 280, but a mm-hmm. Target would be nice. But, um, I'd like to, you could also re, uh, resurrect the Freeway Diner.
1: I loved Freeway. Um, <laughs> and maybe it's just because I was, you know, less than 20 years old when it closed. But I I never thought of it in a negative way. And I, I wish it was still there. I'd go there all the time.
0: Yeah, me too. One of my first New Year's Eves here, uh, my friend dragged me out of bed on New Year's Day. And he's like, we're going to breakfast. And trudged through the snow. And he took me to Freeway Diner. And I was like, "This, this is the definition of a... Of a greasy spoon. Um, we're on to the fun part of the the interview now, as you might have been able to oh, tell. <laughs> hey, <laughs> no, no more retirement pension nonsense or whatever. Um, I do appreciate the time. So the fun questions, um, I need your, your favorite restaurant and I need your favorite pizza place.
1: So when we, for background, um, when Eric asked me to come on the show, he <laughs> asked me what my favorite pizza place was in town and I had said Pizza Cat. Okay. I'm going to, and since you did that, you know, a week or two ago, I have desperately been thinking of every other pizza place in town that I love. I absolutely have adored campus poly Ice breadsticks since I started going to UT. Um, I I like, uh, you know, you can never go wrong with Marco's pizza. I love good Vito's pizza from time to time. But I will say I do like a, a good pizza from, from a pizza cat.
0: What is, do you have a preferred pizza? Because they have some wild combinations.
1: I like uh, the old the old West Ender. It's got uh, sort of that white cheese on it.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um they, they have some great creations and I would have gotten them more over the last couple of years, but there were some delivery issues where I moved to and stuff. And to be quite frank, um, at the outset of the pandemic a couple of years ago, there was a little bit of a mask dust up there um, and it didn't sit right with me. And, and it was a couple of years ago. Um, it, it's like 10 years in pandemic time and maybe that's all amended. And to be quite honest, it, I, I will throw some of my ethics and morals aside for some damn good pizza or, or a good drink.
1: I I can't say that I'll throw my <laughs> ethics and morals aside, but uh, it's uh, it's it's good food.
0: Um, give me something else to, to wrap up here. Anything that I didn't ask you that you wanted to answer or pass along? And I, I thank you again for having these very esoteric interests for someone your age. But clearly, as, <laughs> as from being a small kid, outside of your, I don't know, your circus midsteps or the morning rush that you were listening to, you are a... You are a different person from your peers, but I absolutely commend that because it's people like you that can get this stuff done.
1: I'm, I'm 100% with you, so I'll, I'll just close in saying it. You know, I, I look at Ohio, and when I drive past empty buildings, I, I really do think about what it was like when they were all full. Um, I think it's time that we get back to sort of innovating and, and turning Ohio back into the place of, you know, John Glenn and, and the Wright brothers again. So.
0: Last question, and it's it's more philosophical. It's, it's a great line. And I'm not even going to say that it's, that it's, it's rhetoric. Um, as someone who's been fortunate enough to have friends and relationships and be places all over the country, and in some cases all over the world, is that possible with how the country is now? And I can make a, a real fast analogy. Um, there was a time, and it was before you were born, um, Michigan was a great football team. And mm-hmm. now, now it's Ohio State, and you could argue that it was because when Urban Meyer got there, he had all these recruiting uh, connections in the South. There has been a massive population shift to the Southwest, um, to the south part of the country, whether it be Texas or, or Florida. And I wonder, just with that population shift, for maybe the obvious reasons, it's a lot nicer there, um, with the exception of the occasional hurricane or whatnot. Um, can we ever rebuild and we'll go back to those halcyon days with less with less population? And I know you're going to, the obvious answer is, you know, you got to build more to attract more. But I do wonder at the end of the day if there are just enough people in this part of the country and in the northeast and other places as well to ever relive those days.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, certainly the population gets bigger every year, I mean, with the exception of, you know, maybe the last couple of years. Um, I think it is possible— Certainly, we've torn down a lot of buildings, um, and it's part of it is how we use them. Um, is it? Do we want to go? Everybody lives in downtown Toledo, and it gets super dense. Does everybody want to kind of spread out into the neighborhoods? Um, but part of it too is we need to to build those things, and, and like you said, we need, if you build it, they will come. Is is sort of become somewhat of a rule in economic development uh, if you do it the right way.
0: So. I know, I know uh, we're getting to the point now where some people are kind of upset that there's been so much focus on downtown, and I get that, and mm-hmm. who I would never make any bets or guarantees during what we're going through, but from what I've seen, um, you build the center, and then the halo effect happens, so, I mean, it's already beginning in Vistula. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping, because I have a soft spot in my heart, for the old south end, and I do think once downtown is complete, or becomes too dense, or... Mm-hmm. You know, the people that started it were like, "Oh, it's the the common people are here now. We're moving out." Um, the same thing will happen in the outlying neighborhoods.
1: I, I suppose. I, I think it's possible. Um, you know, with any kind of new thing that you bring in, this is a saying in the economy, right? Anytime you you make a change to one thing, three other things go wrong, and so yep, it's just this constant battle of always trying to fix things. And
0: you'll never be able to please everybody, unfortunately. Um, if this doesn't work out for you, uh, you need to put this voice to work. I will put that voice to work of yours, which is probably another thing you've you've been told.
1: I, uh, I mean, for what it, for what it's worth, I've done some singing over the years, but I'm not uh, I'm not on Spotify or anything.
0: I could get you to well, whenever uh, whenever Ving Rhames gives up his Arby's gig, I can totally hear your voice in those spots. Okay. <laughs> um, Colin really. Flanagan, thanks for the time. Thanks for listening to the show. I, I mean, I, I poke fun of it, but it was an important part of my life. I'm glad you were disappointed that we went away. Um, I'm glad to have reconnected with you now, and I'm, I'm very glad. And um, I think I can be totally supportive to help you as you move forward, um, regardless of, of political stuff. Um, if you're for a working person, you know, that can be a Democrat or. Um, Or Republican in the same way that, you know, with my stuff, mental health, it it doesn't pick Democrats or Republicans. These are common person causes, and I'm glad you are willing to stand up for them and have the knowledge and experience at such a young age to do so.
1: Yeah, 100 percent. And thanks for having me on the show. Awesome. Thanks, Colin. Be well. Yeah, you too. Thank you.